0: Screen Time with John Fardy This is News Talk Hello and
1: welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy. This week on the show, a very special show, where I bring you the cast and maker of the new Sopranos prequel movie, The Many Saints of Newark. That's right, you'll be hearing the likes of Ray Liotta, Michael Gandolfini, and Sopranos creator David Chase. So, you won't want to miss it. I'm open on Twitter, John Fardy, or you can email me, ScreenTime at NewsTalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5 pm on NewsTalk.com or the NewsTalk app, and it's on the radio every Saturday at 6 pm right here on NewsTalk. Good weekend to you all. Different show tonight. Great show, though. Let's do it. Now, of course, that means only one thing, the Sopranos, and I am a massive Sopranos fan. On this station, I've said bizarre things like I think it equals the works of Shakespeare. That's how much of a devotee I am. So I was delighted, but a little apprehensive when I heard that they were doing a Sopranos movie, a kind of prequel sort called The Manny Saints of Newark. But I needn't have worried because it's excellent. And tonight you're going to hear from the cast and the creators
2: when I was a kid. Guys like me were brought up to follow codes. Hey, jerk What'd you say? What?
0: Antonio Soprano. Ankle dick. Growing up with the family hey. takes a toll.
3: You're
0: my nephew I want to do whatever I can to help you My gift to you
4: I want to go to college I can't get caught with shit like this
0: Look, you take the speakers, right? At the same time, you say to yourself is the last time I'm ever going to steal something It's that simple
1: so The Many Saints of Newark, it opens next Wednesday. It takes place in the 60s and 70s, kind of against the backdrop of racial tension with the Newark riots. And what you have is the character Dickie Moltisanti. Now, as you know, if you're a Sopranos fan, Dickie Moltisanti was Tony Soprano's uncle of sorts, and we never met him, but he was the guy he admired a lot, and he was Christopher's father. Which, Sopranos fans, I'm preaching to the converted here. And this movie is about Dickie Moltisanti. And it's also about a young Tony coming under the wing of Dickie Moltisanti. And there's other story arcs there as well. You also have this really interesting henchman of the Soprano crew called Harold, played by Leslie Odom Jr. Who you'll hear me talking to in a minute who's an African-American guy who's one of the gang but realises he wants his own thing and he's going to break out. Ray Liotta plays Dickie's father who enters the scene with a new young wife. There's a lot going on. So what you've probably heard is Michael Gandolfini, who is the son of the late, great James Gandolfini, plays the young Tony in this movie and he does it incredibly well it was kind of spine tingling so to kick things off here's my chat with Michael Gandolfini and I gather I'm the first one to talk to you so I get you nice and fresh which is good there you go listen uh, I'll start straight at the end I suppose and the obvious question and I hope you don't mind me asking did you have any reservation at all when it was first suggested to you that you would play the younger version of your father who sadly passed away
4: Yeah. yeah yeah no i think um it's a very fair question yeah i think that at the very beginning before i had auditioned there was sort of a a definite hesitation or reservation about do i want to do this i want to be my own actor i want Mm -hmm. to um be my own person, but also just the pressures and the responsibility that comes with playing Tony Soprano. Um, but as I began to audition, um, I sort of fell in love with this new version of Tony and this, um, it's a different story to tell. And there there was something to tell. David had written mm. such an amazing script. so. As the audition process went along, I sort of began to fall in love and believe that I can do this. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I wanted to do it.
1: The rest is history. You're brilliant in it, by the way, and you're very much your own man. Right. And when you read the script, did you have a sense this is, this is something different? Of course, it's The Sopranos, but it reminded me of The Godfather at times but with that- all that goes on in it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I. That was the thing that had drawn me in was that, in many ways, David uh, wrote and his writing partner Lawrence wrote an incredible script that's very complicated and and important. You know, you have Dickie sort of as this new. You know this legend in the show that's gonna bring us through this different era. You have Leslie Odom Jr., who's this, inc- you know, an incredible actor and member of this world, and kind of this racial tension between the two that is so prevalent. And that's gonna be one arc, and then you have a B plot, you know, of mm-hmm. sort of like this young. In many ways, I I look at it like a noir. It's like a nineteen fifties noir that the arc is this moral compass of a man who sort of losing his morality and then you have mm-hmm. Tony looking to him for a moral code and um you know it's kind of a tragedy because Dickie's the wrong person to look to for that mm. moral code so I thought it was just so profound and incredible and I thought oh well Tony really is different and Instead of being a gun-wielding mobster, he's kind of this sweet, nerdy, sensitive kid that gets whittled down and and is sort of faded to his destiny.
1: Yeah, there's I don't want to give a spoiler, but there's gorgeous scenes between you and and Alessandro's character Dickie, where you know he's not sure if he should be his mentor anymore. It's it's really well handled. Yeah. Is it true that you know you were pretty much born when The Sopranos began? You're very youthful looking as well. I still couldn't believe it was you, but yeah. it, is it true up until this all began that you you kind of avoided looking at The Sopranos, maybe for obvious reasons?
4: Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, I think I I hadn't watched it before the audition one for obvious reasons. You know, it's hard to watch. Sure, My, of also like honestly just wasn't really something that I thought about. Like it wasn't, um, you know, I was going to high school and then going to college and trying to act. It just wasn't something that I thought, oh, I really need to sit down and, and watch it. It was just sort of like one day I'm, I'm sure I'll get to it. Um, and then this opportunity came along and, and one of the best parts was getting to watch the show for the first time.
1: And mm. um, what's next for you? To, just to move on from the Money Saints of Newark. I know we're meant to discuss it, but what, what are you going to do next? Because I'm really curious to know what might be next. Or maybe I haven't decided.
4: No, I just, I, I'm very, I was lucky enough to do a, a small part in Ari Aster's next movie, which was really wow. such a phenomenal experience. It was really yeah. just incredible. And, um, you know, I've got a, a couple, I'm, you know, going to go do this, uh TV show, um, this this anthology series. I think that's really all I'm allowed to say about it. Um, okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just keep keep on auditioning, you know, like I, I'm a young actor. So working with great writers, great directors and great actors that can teach me as much as possible. That's what I want to do next. Because even with this movie, if I I looked at it, if I learned something, Whether or not the performance is great or not, whether or not the film is great or not, I can't totally control that. But if I learn something, it's a success. Um, Mm. So that's sort of my outlook, just working with great people and learning as much as I can.
1: Super. Well, you were great in this, and I hope you don't mind me saying it might be a fitting tribute to your father, James, as well. I I loved your performance. Thank you very much.
4: so much. I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, Michael Gandolfini there, talking to me about playing the role his father made famous in the new Sopranos movie, The Manny Saints of Newark. Now, Dickie Moltisanti is played by Alessandro Nivola, who's an actor you'll know his face as soon as you've seen him. He's been in all sorts of things like American Hustle. People have said, you know, he should have been a leading man by now. He has leading man presence. Anyway, he plays Dickie Moltisanti in this, who's great, Tony's uncle. And in a way, it's a story about Dickie Moltisanti and his relationship with Tony and you know Dickie's kind of one of those guys who kind of wants to do the right thing but he's also a gangster and uh he's he's you know has appetites that kind of get the better of him and in a way as you'll hear me say he reminded me a lot of Michael Corleone in The Godfather so I caught up with Alessandro as well.
0: Hey John I'm good how are you?
1: I'm great. The film's fantastic and a, a big relief for a Sopranos fan that it's <laughs> so good and yet so of itself. You know, I was talking to Michael earlier and I mentioned to him about how parts of it reminded me of The Godfather. And I meant that as a compliment. And parts of your performance reminded me of Michael, uh, not Michael, Michael's his character, Al Pacino in Godfather 2, yeah. in that you're this guy who's moral he wants to do the right thing but his own demons and wants get the better of him and he's aptly named dicky i guess Did, was that the appeal of the character for you
0: yeah i mean i think one of the first things that i i noticed about the role uh when i when i read it the first time was that unlike a lot of mob characters who's uh where, you know where the the violence that they perpetrate are um uh, kind of cold calculated business killings that the the violence that Dickie perpetrates in the film is all they're all crimes of passion and they all yeah. are result of a of this uh, moment uh, of rage that comes out of a, a, an emotional response to uh, relationships that uh, you know with people he's been very close with whether it's his father or his lover or um, people in his life and, um, and that uh, it, it's almost inexplicable to him how this keeps happening. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, he, it, it happens in an, in an instant and then it, it's gone and he's left with the, the, the rubble that he's created. And he slowly just becomes increasingly aware that he's the architect of his own destruction. And, it, and it's devastating to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that was the kind of source of the, of the moral confusion of the character, which is really, to me, the, the most interesting uh, part of the story.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when he goes to see Ray Liotta too, let's call him, in yeah. prison, it, yeah. again, I'm sorry to mention other references, but it reminded me of Tony and the Sopranos going to see his therapist, that this is the place he goes almost for absolution or something.
0: Yeah, listen, you've just put your finger right on it. I, I you know, I don't know if <clears throat> David would say uh, this as bluntly in an interview, but to me, <clears throat> it, there was no question that this was a, a kind of proxy for those Melfi scenes, um, that uh, in prison, uh, I, and that I come to Ray to, to confess and to unburden myself and in the same way that Tony goes to Melfi to do that and and does nothing but lie to her <laughs> uh, I I do the same I I keep coming to him and you keep the thinking that I'm gonna I'm gonna come clean about all yeah. the horror that I'm living with and and of course I just lie and um And he, in the same way that Melfi does, he he's got a kind of omniscient, uh, almost supernaturally omniscient um, awareness of of everything that I've done, and he knows. Um, Yeah. uh, But yeah, no, that's exactly the way what what I I think those scenes serve as, and and the beauty of of Ray playing that role. um, uh, You know, I don't want to give a spoiler, but it um, creates a kind of surreal quality to those scenes without us having to play it. I mean, we just play it for real and you never know if those scenes are, you know, a a product of um, a figment of my imagination or or my Mm -hmm. conscience that I'm grappling with or if they're just, you know, real at face value.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, uh, our time is up, I'm afraid, but you you did a great job and it was lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much.
0: Hey, I appreciate it. Really nice to talk to you too.
1: Alessandro Navola there talking to me about his role in the Many Saints of Newark. You're listening to Screen Time here and I'm bringing you a special Sopranos, the Many Saints of Newark special here on News Talk. After the break, the Sopranos creator, David Chase.
0: Screen Time on News Talk.
1: Now you're welcome back to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy. This is a very special Soprano special where we're talking all about the new Sopranos prequel movie The Many Saints of Newark and I'm talking to the cast and crew. Now, if there was one person I was dying to talk to in all of this was David Chase because David Chase is the Sopranos creator. He co-wrote this movie the many saints of Newark. he was involved from start to finish he is mr soprano it was his baby all along you know whenever i read interviews or articles about david chase a word that comes up a lot is is terse that he can be quite terse in his answers and i think that's fair to say in this interview hi david john Fardy from news talk radio in ireland pleasure uh-huh. to meet you Hi. I'm uh, one of those annoying uber fans who, on this radio station you've been, you're about to talk to, have compared well, the Sopranos. I ask
5: you a question? Did you yeah. ever see me speak in Dublin?
1: I didn't, unfortunately, no. Okay. I'm sorry. I no, wish okay. I had. Okay.
5: <laughs> just curious because yeah. somebody said, somebody in Ireland said, what an asshole I was and how disgusting. I, what, what did I do, you know? Anyway, oh, it,
1: it wasn't me, I I would. OK, been, no, I know uh, it wasn't a you.
5: I was wondering, did I do come off like a schmuck or something anyway. my
1: experience? Listen, as I mentioned, I'm a massive fan and I'm wondering, you know, the Sopranos was adored because, you know, critics, everyone said nothing was wasted in it. Everything that happened, every camera angle it, you know, it all led to something. So I'm wondering. Did it take you a long time to come to the idea of doing a movie because it was such a complete work, The Sopranos? Now, I know this is a freestanding thing by itself, but it's a prequel or an origin story of sorts. So did you take a long time to go, yeah, I will do this?
5: Yeah, I did. It did take a long time, but I wasn't wrestling with that decision the whole time.
1: No, okay.
5: Uh, I'd forgotten about, you know, I'd moved on in my life and I'd kind of forgotten about The Sopranos. But a very persistent man named Toby Emmerich, uh, kept talking to me about doing something for his studio. Um, and then finally, on one of those days, it seemed to make sense to me. But okay. I wasn't like all the time thinking, should I do it? Move? movie? Should I not do it? It wasn't like that.
1: Okay. But Ray Liotta is amazing in it, uh, in all he does. Was was he always in your mind that you wanted to cast him? No,
5: no he was not. We wrote the part and... Um, you know we considered several actors um and there was questions of availability and then you know when somebody came up with the bright idea ray was like oh oh okay yeah just like that yeah
1: okay and in terms of alessandro i was i was talking to him earlier and i i hope you'll take this as a compliment he rem- i said to him it reminded me of Michael Corleone, Al Pacino's character in The Godfather 2 in the way that he's kind of a, a good guy as well as being a bad guy. Has anyone else suggested that to you? That there's he wants to do the right thing in a way but he's a prisoner of his own appetite?
5: No, or is that no, the most ludicrous no, no thing one you've one ever heard? Has, <laughs> no one else has suggested that. Okay. And for, for myself as a viewer I'd have to say does he really really want to do well, do good? Is that, does he really want to do good? Um, or is he deluding himself, even that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I felt in some level maybe he did, but look, you wrote it. Can I ask you one Sopranos question, if you don't mind? Everyone talks to you about the Pine Baron episode, and that okay. is a great one, don't get me wrong. My favorite one is College, from the first yeah. season, where Tony college takes...
5: Yeah, it's good.
1: Yeah, I'm just where he, like the DNA of the show was in that and he's talking to Meadow and bringing her to college and you see everything that Tony was about. I thought, is there any particular memory you have of that episode or anything you can tell me, seeing as it's my favorite episode?
5: Um, Well, any particular memory? Um, I, I have a memory of Tony making a phone call where he gets all angry and it was making me, I was outside the phone booth and he was making me laugh and that was making him get angrier. But um, at that time, that episode came closest to my ideal episode, which is I wanted to make a little movie every week. Yeah. And that to me could have been like in the 1940s or 50s, a B-movie, a you know, small, inexpensive crime movie. That movie yeah. was self-contained, and I really loved it for that reason.
1: Well, and do you think that's the closest you came in the whole series to that idea?
5: I mean, hopefully we got better at, at, at that, yeah. at doing that. I'm trying to think of other ones that came really... Well, when Tony was shot and was in a coma, not a coma, wherever he was.
1: Yeah, wherever.
5: Yeah, wherever. <laughs> I was like, that's I don't know. Uh, I can't think of I can't think of anyone's that come like, I just remember it being like a, when I made myself saying, there it is, that thing could have been released as a movie
1: yeah great well listen the many saints of newark is excellent and it was a real pleasure to talk to you and dublin says hello and whoever that person was who called you an asshole i apologize on behalf of (laughs) the entire country
5: i read this this was just recently i said what did i do i don't remember but maybe i was an asshole Mm.
1: thanks a million david
5: all right thank you
2: are you in the mafia am i in the what whatever you want to call it organized crime That's total crap. Who told you that? Dad, I've lived in the house all my life. I've seen police come with warrants. I've seen you going out at 3 in the morning. So you never seen Doc Cusimano go out at 3 in the morning on a call? Did the Cusimano kids ever find $50,000 in Krugerrands and a 45 automatic while they were hunting for Easter eggs? I'm in a waste management business. Everybody immediately assumes you're mobbed up. It's a stereotype. And it's offensive. And you're the last person I would want to perpetuate it. Fine. There is no mafia. Alright, look. Med, you're a grown woman. Almost. Some of my money comes from illegal gambling and, and, and whatnot.
1: That was a clip of College, the Sopranos episode, which it turns out David Chase is a big admirer of as well. And you heard me talking to David Chase there about the Sopranos and obviously about the many Saints of Newark. He was slightly terse in his answers. Uh, but, you know, it I, I was great to talk to him, even though, you know, he plays it by his own rules, I would say, and won't agree with you for the sake of agreeing. But, you know, he's pretty much a creative genius. So I rolled with it. Now, Alan Taylor directed The Many Saints of Newark. Now, Alan Taylor directed episodes of The Sopranos. He's directed episodes of Mad Men, of Oz, of Game of Thrones. This guy is Mr. TV. And I got to talk to him about directing The Many Saints of Newark. Hello, Alan.
6: Hello. How are you?
1: How are you? I've been watching your TV shows for years. I'm a good <laughs> it's lovely to talk to you.
6: Thank you. Appreciate that.
1: Let, let me get straight into it. Was there any you know, jockeying for position? Did you know there was a Sopranos movie coming and you thought, I want to do this? Or did David Chase just come and say to you, you're the guy?
6: Yeah, that that was funny. Um, I'm glad there wasn't a jockeying. I'm glad glad (laughs) I was not really aware uh, because I I hadn't heard that he was doing this until he called me out of the blue and said there was a script and did I want to read it? Um, So then there was a brief period of jockeying because I had read the (laughs) script uh, and I knew he was talking to other people. um, And then I had lunch with him And the next day he called and said he wanted me to do it. So uh, thankfully, it was a a compressed jockeying period. Um, (laughs) But it was a, I remember at least between having lunch with him and getting the call, uh, I had a drink with another director. And um, he said, hey, you know, David, can you put in a good word for me on this Sopranos movie? (laughs) Uh, And I thought, well, let me be totally honest. Uh, you you
1: hollywood guys right listen the the i was a massive sopranos fan i claim to be ireland's biggest but what i loved about the movie is that it's a fully realized film on its own terms and i'm not just saying that because you're in front of me but it is did you get the script and go yes we've got something here
6: Oh well, I got the script and, and said yes because it was um, David's voice and it was back mm. in that world. Uh, but mm. I also said, "Oh shit," uh, because there were so many challenges that went along with that. And um, yeah, you know, there were there were so many ways in which this was uh, fully connected to the Sopranos, but also, as you said, it's its own thing. And mm. and you know, we didn't have many of the props that, that we leaned on heavily in the show. We didn't have yeah. James Gandolfini, Uh and it was a question for me, whether you can do a Sopranos thing without James Gandolfini. Um, and then in a broader way, a lot of the show's charm was its contemporary tacky, New Jersey, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're on the downside of uh, American history kind of uh, setting. Yeah. And this going back to the kind of golden age of, of gangsterism uh, or at least one golden age uh, set it, had a different set of challenges. how do you bring that same, yeah. uh, same tones and same comedy uh, into this other world. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly the goal was to make a, a movie that connected to the show that, that, that satisfied the fans of the show, but that could be its own thing. And that mostly depended on the fact that we had Dickie who was this character who had never been you know, portrayed mm-hmm. before. So he could be his own, his own story.
1: But you know he's alluded to in The Sopranos, and there are Easter eggs in there. Were you conscious of that? That there was like we see Paulie as a kid, or you know, as a as a young mobster, and all. Were you keen, even though it was its own thing, to leave little bits in there as a prequel?
6: Yeah, and some sometimes they get quite overt. I mean, um, mm-hmm. uh, and and that that's part of the fun. You you know you and I think it's been nice to see the some fans reacting to that stuff. I mean, there's a huge appetite to hear Junior say. Uh, he doesn't have to make him a varsity athlete.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 it was great.
6: And there's the hovering question as to whether Dickie was carrying TV trays or a crib. Yeah,
7: um, now we know.
6: Now we know. Um, uh, And those things are very loaded for the fans, uh, even if they sort of just go by um, unremarked for for people who are coming to the movie for the first time. Um, Mm. But yeah, there was a lot of pleasure in in that stuff. And certainly the performances of all these great actors who were doing their takes on um, characters that were established, I mean, the way I, directed those was to say just imagine you're playing a historical figure almost so that you know you don't have to do an impersonation but but what's your take on this historical figure who happens Mm -hmm. to be Holly Walnuts or Soprano and they each one found their way to do it. It's great.
1: You have I told you before as a fan of all you've done you've done everything from Oz, Madman, Game of Thrones, like it's incredible. You won a Emmy for some of the Soprano stuff that the one in particular with, with Christopher's character. You know you're partially responsible for the golden age of TV, (laughs) whether you like it or not, right? You're part of that thing, this renaissance of TV we live in. and Like I suppose give hope to young aspiring filmmakers out there, you wanted to make a movie as well. So someone like you who's been making a decent living in this renaissance period of golden TV also wants to make movies. So I guess you think obviously there's still a place for making movies in the world.
6: It's fine. I mean, it's it's when I was first coming out of film school, I was a film snob. (laughs) <laughs> like all of them were and all we wanted to do was make movies, even you know low budget indie movies was sort of the 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 dream, and TV was stupid. Uh, and mm. uh, I, I remember just thinking, no, I'm not going to do TV. And then I was sent the pilot for Sopranos and thought, oh, whoa, what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a whole different flavor. It was cinematic. It was uh, intelligent. It was uh, challenging. It was funny. So I went into Sopranos unaware that. I was going to something. I mean, I knew I loved it, but I didn't realize it was going to be the the leading edge of a of a wave. Of, um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of things contributed to that. You know, it was David's brilliance to to put that together, but also technology was changing, and we, we got into cable and streamers and all this mm-hmm. other yeah. ways of watching TV that weren't advertising driven, which is one of the main things. Um, and so all the shows that came after Breaking Bad, Mad Men, the one that I did the pilot for, all these these things obviously carry a debt to. Sopranos, uh, that was a turning point. Um, But as as for going back and forth, I think directors these days, certainly I see almost no distinction um, between the two. You're, uh, and I think it's interesting that this show has created a movie. Maybe this movie will create a TV show. There's a kind of back and forth and people are changing the way they consume uh, this stuff. And I think the border between movies and TV is getting harder and harder to define. Uh I've done a couple of very big budget movies that were basically episodes and I've done um some episodes that were basically small movies. So um so it's it's harder and harder to kind of distinguish between the two, I think.
1: Yeah. Well I better let you go. I just saw a dog walk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's okay. Cheers.
6: right. right. nice to meet you.
1: Yes, Alan Taylor there. With a dog. Walking in the back of the Zoom call I was on with. And he is the director of the Manny Saints of Newark. If you've just tuned in to the radio, I'm talking to the cast and crew of the Manny Saints of Newark, the New Sopranos movie, which is in Irish cinemas from the 22nd of September. Up
0: next, Ray Liotta. Screen time on News Talk.
1: Now, you're welcome back to Screen Time. This is a Manny Saints of Newark special where I'm talking to the cast and crew of the new Sopranos movie. Earlier in the show, you heard me talking to David Chase and Michael Gandolfini. Now, Ray Liotta plays Dicky Moltisanti's father in this. And when we first meet him, he's off a boat from Naples, where he's in tow with a much younger Italian wife who speaks very little English at the start. Him and Dickie have a an interesting relationship, let's say. You'll have to see the movie to find out more. But as I say... Ray Liotta is in it. And I got to talk to Ray about that and a bit about Goodfellas. And it's Ray Liotta. Have a listen to this. Hi, Ray. John Fardy from News Talk Radio in Ireland. How are you? Hey, John. How are you? I've been a massive admirer for you for a long time. So it's the highlight of my week, if not my month.
3: Well, my highlight is two days ago I got here from Ireland.
1: Oh, wow. What were you doing? Never have been
3: there before. Man, do I love it. Me and my fiancé were just like blown out. Oh, the well, you well, are so nice, so friendly, and man, you guys are a bunch, you're just quick witted, you guys.
1: Hey, hang out for the next five minutes if you want yeah, to. Yeah, well, that's right what away. I was just going to say. Don't let them down. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Listen, I understand you had a flirtation with the Sopranos maybe in season three when they were thinking about you for Ralph and you might have actually turned that part down. Was this kind of karma for you that you'd be involved second time around in the movie prequel?
3: Uh, You're the only one who got the story right. Yes, David Chase, I was doing Hannibal with Anthony Hopkins. He came, we were shooting it in Virginia. He came out. To pitch me this part and it uh uh the jar the, the thing ralphie although thank god I, I i turned it down because joe Pantaleon, who did end up doing it, he won an emmy for it and i just it, it just it, the part just didn't feel right there was a couple other movie things that were happening i wasn't sure i wanted to go from goodfellas to to like another mafia kind of thing so there was a myriad of reasons of why I, I, I didn't do it. None of them being that, that, you know, David Chase, I, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this because David or anybody, nobody was thinking of me for anything in this part, uh, whether it's because I had done uh, a mafia movie before or whatever, but, but uh, I heard about it. I told my agent, I'd really like to get in on this and, um, he called David Chase, we're only casting out of, out of L.A., and said, well, what a phrase, will come to you in New York. So he can come to New York as long as he flies himself and, and doesn't, uh, uh, you know, I, just because he comes doesn't mean anything's going to happen. I didn't care about that. There was just something about it that I wanted. I just wanted the, the chance to work with David Chase because there's, like, a lot of really talented people people in this business Mm -hmm. and and there's like the david chase type that's like he's on a whole different level and uh uh so yeah so i went out and had lunch with him and the director alan taylor and then luckily it worked out and it certainly did work out have you seen the
1: final product i have it's fantastic you must be chuffed with it
3: uh it takes me a while. I don't usually watch the things I do, to be totally I know. honest. Yeah. And it takes me a while. To, I remember the first time I saw Goodfellas, and I said, oh, my God, I'm not even in this movie. What that like? <laughs> it's just so odd to watch oneself... And now, I, like on I, set these days, especially with some of these younger actors, as soon as the scene is over, they all go run to the monitor to go watch themselves about what they just did. I don't yeah. even like seeing the finished product. Never mind what something that just was. So it's different strokes for different folks. But uh, yeah, I was really, really pleased that it, that it worked out. It certainly I've did. Than one.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Listen, you, you mentioned Goodfellas there, so you brought it up, okay? And I'm wondering, you know, even on the way in here, someone said to me, ask him about the you think I'm funny scene. I'm wondering if you had to quantify it. How many times do you think people have said, so you think I'm funny, I'm amuse you? <laughs> well, people have it as, as their ringtones and everything
3: in In the beginning, it was a lot. what most people don't realize is we had the luxury of of sitting around. It, it was myself, Martin Scorsese, pesci, de niro, and and Lorraine. Uh, and no, I think it was just just me bob and, and 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 Joe. And Joe told a story about a time that he was in a restaurant. And he said to some guy, "Well, that's really funny." And that guy just flipped and turned on him. But these were like real deal people. So Joe was telling that story, and Marty, being as creative as he is, he said, "You know what? This would be a great place to put it where, where it turned out to be." Because normally, what he, the guy came up and said, "You haven't paid your bill or anything," and mm. he hits him on the head with the. And uh, so we improv that like four or five times. And then we put it to stone and then, but it was an improv scene of a story that Joe told. So there's a little fun fact that a lot of people don't know. Well, thank you you very (laughs) much.
1: Thank you very much. You're welcome back in Ireland. Anytime.
3: Oh, we'll be there next week.
1: Good man. Cheers. Thank you. Yes. Sorry. My fanboy came out. I just, it's really odd. uh. You know, I've, been watching that man for years. It's, I, I realise I'm standing like a kid in a candy shop on this week's show, but, you know, you know, Ray Liotta saying, you've got it, Farty. You know, it's, it could be my new ringtone. My epitaph. <laughs> now, I mentioned at the start, one of the story arcs in this is a young African-American character named Harold who's part of the Sopranos crew, but he, he wants to get a piece of the action for himself. The movie's also taking place during the Newark race riots, so there's a lot of tension going on and becomes quite politically aware, while at the same time remaining a gangster. He is played by the great Leslie Odom Jr. He came to fame in Hamilton, the musical, uh, on Broadway. He's a singer, he's an actor. He was in a great movie last year called One Night in Miami, where he played Sam Cook and he also sang the songs of Sam Cook incredibly well it's a movie all about Muhammad Ali Malcolm X and an American football player and uh, Sam Cook meeting one night in Miami it's a fictionalized version of that. it's a very good movie anyway as I say Leslie Odom jr who's who I'm talking about and he plays Harold in the Manny Saints of Newark and I caught up with him earlier in the week and he was eating an apricot
8: when we spoke John thank you so much not at all the dried apricot.
1: listen you got a an army marches on its stomach listen your character harold he's no doubt a gangster right he's a stonewall gangster when we first see him he's up to no good stuff that's what gangsters do but there is a certain morality to him and he wants to get a piece for himself but also maybe for black people in general as i see it did did you see him that way he's a gangster with a heart or a conscience
8: well yeah I, i saw him like um saw him and Dicky is almost like, you know, brothers, um, you know, and for one of them, there um, are the realities of uh, a ceiling and of limitations that don't exist for the other one. Mm. Um, but for the color of my skin, where would I be, you know, and the mm. resentment that that can build and foster. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of saw, I thought about them like, like brothers or cousins or something like that, you know?
1: Okay, maybe a Cain and Abel vibe even. Uh, yeah, it just kind of
8: that. Yeah.
1: It, is it true that you were reading parts of the script and auditioning and not really sure what you were auditioning for?
8: <laughs> yes that's what they do that's that is a very common practice these days in in Hollywood it is um but we I've gotten used to it what it does they they don't they don't send you a script they 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 don't tell you where your character's from or you know where who they might be but what it does do though is it it clears everything away so it really is just about Mm. the words on the page you know it's really just about the words on the page and I and I never had the experience before where I was given so little, but I was inspired so much. You okay. know, I, I couldn't deny that when I when I would pick up these scenes, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. But there was something about the words on the page, David Chase, nobody writes like David Chase, that was that was inspiring to me. And so mm. I decided to like, you know, leave my uh, <laughs> questioning mind aside and really just follow my heart followed like what was happening artistically.
1: The last thing I saw you in was a film called One Night in Miami. And you were absolutely amazing in that. And it's one thing to play Sam Cooke, but to sing the songs of Sam Cooke is a huge deal. And, you know, it's okay if I give a spoiler, but you sing A Change Is Gonna Come towards the end of that movie. And it is spine tingling. Did you have any reservations about taking on this I know James Brown is the godfather of soul, but you know, Sam Cooke was another godfather of it as well. Was there any reservation about doing that?
8: Yes, I mean, wouldn't you have? (laughs) Yes, I wouldn't do it. (laughs) No, 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 I almost didn't do it. No, and I I have to tell you with that one, (laughs) it's, this is just gonna be an interview about my my ignorance and being kept in the dark. But with that one, I got hired (laughs) for the film. I got hired for the film, John, and it was, a week into the movie or not into the filming, actually, but, you know, a week after I got hired, you know, I was I, was, I had begun to do my preparations a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, and these recording sessions started to show up on my calendar. And I called my team and I was like, what what is this? I don't know. A recording session for what? And they were like, well, Leslie, you have to record the Sam Cook stuff. And I, you could have knocked <laughs> me over with a feather. I had no idea that I was actually singing the Sam Cook stuff. I wow. thought, look, we saw we've seen to you know, Rami and just, just was brilliant, so brilliant in Bohemian Rhapsody. He didn't sing that stuff. And, you know, Angela Bassett, she didn't, they didn't ask her to sing like Tina Turner. They, you, you know, so like I was yeah. like, for sure. They're not looking for somebody that's going to sing like Sam Cooke. I thought maybe they hired me because they 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 wanted somebody who understood singing, who might understand the breathing and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, I was so shocked and um, horrified by the fact that I was gonna have to sing it. But in the end, uh, I think maybe the thing that'll stick with me the longest were the lessons that I learned in the recording booth, trying my best to sing like Sam Cooke. I became a better singer on that On that movie. Okay.
1: Well, look, it looks like, you know, being kept in the dark is working for you. So maybe maybe stay there. And uh, you're great in the Many Saints of Newark as well. It was lovely to talk to you.
8: Thanks a lot, John.
1: Yes, Leslie Odom Jr. there talking to me about his role in The Many Saints of Newark and, of course, singing the songs of Sam Cooke. Now, I mentioned Ray Liotta has a young Italian wife in this movie, and she's played by a, a relative newcomer, as in this was her first English-language feature, a very charming young Italian lady called Michaela de Rossi, and I spoke to her. Buongiorno, I should say, really, right?
7: Buongiorno.
1: <laughs> I'm wondering, how did this come about for you? Because I I, I didn't know that much about you beforehand, and it seems that maybe you were
7: picked from Italy, (laughs) but but how did it actually happen? From a merchant. (laughs) 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 No, I just won uh, this audition. I self-taped myself three years ago for this, Ah. and I just forgot it. (laughs) And then (laughs) I did another self-tape two months later And then one month later, they called me in person in Rome, then two months more passed, and I just received received a call uh, saying, you're going to go on a flight tomorrow morning for a chemistry test in New York City, so mom I don't want to go there I'm so scared (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know so I I didn't I I've never take a flight alone I've never I I had never went out of Europe so it's been my first time everything um, wow. Yeah.
1: Um, when you say a chemistry test, was this with you yeah. and Ray Liotta and Alessandro to no, see? Was was
7: no, it was me and Alessandro for like okay. two hours working on every scene and yeah.
1: Well, you certainly have chemistry. In front of so everyone.
7: The,
1: the, the test worked. Uh, the test worked. <laughs> Were were you, uh, you know, the Sopranos was this huge international thing. It was massive in Ireland and England and all that. But had you been a fan?
7: Uh, Okay, not a fan because I didn't see it. Okay. But I knew that it changed the history for sure. Mm. So, you know, in Italy, everyone knows about the Sopranos, but not all of us because we have this, I hate this awful thing, (laughs) which is the dubbing. In Italy. Oh yes, yes. So everything, every everything we 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 watch is dub dubbing. Okay. It's with uh, dubbing, so a lot of people... instead of translation,
1: to, yeah.
7: Yeah. So yeah. some a lot of people they don't want to see something to watch something dubbing, mm-hmm. so they just live it <laughs> because we yeah. don't have the original language sometimes. Uh,
1: yeah. And I
7: remember when the Sopranos came out, they were in Italian. Yeah. A lot of people they oh. didn't watch it.
1: Well, it's very honest of you to give a correct right answer and say, I hadn't seen it. You know, a lot of people would lie in these situations. So I applaud no, your no, honesty. No, no,
7: but I watched the whole thing in like one month and I asked to myself, why I didn't, I've never watched this because I felt totally loved. love. Totally.
1: Mm. Your character in this movie, how do you see her? Do you see her as a brave young woman trying to escape a life that was left to her or do you see her as someone who's trying
7: to i don't know what's what's your take on her she's trying to be happy first of all she's trying to she knows exactly what's her future over there in italy mm-hmm. so i think she just it's like a suicide you just go mm-hmm. and you will see what you what you what you will find w- with with that man, with his family, and of course, we have the American dream. We always yeah. have had the American dream in Italy. We have it now, and we had in sixties and yeah. you know it's it was America, so she's been just brave mm, instead yeah. of maybe her friends <laughs> or yeah. you know.
1: And did you, because obviously you speak Italian and I'm assuming you speak it very well, but did you have to learn the, the Naples dialect a bit? Did yeah, I read mean that?
7: Yeah, okay. yeah. They, yeah, I got the role even if I was not Napolitan. So I had to learn the Napolitan and teach that to Ray uh, and to <laughs> sometimes to everyone, some words or, and, and a friend of mine taught me the Napolitan by the phone. Uh, during oh, wow. the period of, of the shooting, yes, because if I go there, i don't understand a word, even if, if it 's <laughs> Italian it's, okay. it's a totally different language. Yeah,
1: well, I hope they paid you extra for being a dialect coach to the other scenes <laughs> in the movie. so it was lovely to talk to you, and the movie is fantastic, so thanks
7: thank you thank you
1: Michaela de Rossi there talking to me about her role in the many Saints of Newark. And I should mention, The Many Saints of Newark is in Irish Cinemas from Wednesday the 22nd of September. That is it for this week. I had a lot of fun and it was somewhat of a dream come true to talk to some of those people this week because, as I've been at pains to point out to you, I am a massive Sopranos fan and the movie is great. So uh, everyone's a winner if you're a Sopranos fan. That's it for this week. God knows what we'll do next week after all that, but I'm sure we'll figure it out. Take care and have a good week.